You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I am Steve Conserta, host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We haven't talked to you guys in a couple of weeks on this podcast. The uh, Chiefs had back-to-back Friday preseason games, uh, so we were pretty much consumed with our rapid reaction show, and uh, judging by our numbers, you guys were pretty consumed with it too. We are pumped and ready for the Chiefs' regular season. Got this bye week as they shorten down the preseason, so a little extra rest and relaxation for some of your Kansas City Chiefs before they take on a very tough opponent, the Cleveland Browns, in week one of the NFL season. Obviously, the Chiefs dealing with a few injuries, so we'll take any opportunity that they can get to rest and get healthy and make sure this team is ready to go on another Super Bowl run. But this week, we had a ton of content as the Chiefs got down to their initial 53-man roster, made some moves, filled out their practice squad. So we're going to start things off with the Arrowhead Pride editor show, Pete Sweeney and John Dixon, breaking down the Chiefs' offensive side of the football on the initial 53-man roster. Then we'll hear around the 16-minute mark out of structure with Ron Kopp and Matt Stagner as those guys break down the defensive side of the football on the Chiefs' initial 53-man roster. And then around the 30-minute mark, you can catch myself and Ron the Show Hughley on show in BK as we discuss Chris Jones and why he's got to be Defensive Player of the Year this season. That's all coming up on today's edition of the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. Let's hear from Pete Sweeney and John Dixon. Now, we have a couple players that are dealing with injuries. We know Kyle Long is starting on the PUP. That means he is done for the first six weeks. Had that lower leg injury, missed all of training camp. We'll have to get back into football shape once he's able to go, so that one makes sense. Probably watching two other offensive linemen in Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, who we believe is dealing with a hand injury. Austin Blythe is dealing with sports hernia surgery, so they make the initial 53 even though They're injured because they have to make it to be on the temporary injured reserve. Now, after you make the 53, if you're placed on the injured reserve, you can be back in three weeks. We actually saw this last year with Chad Henney. He was injured, couldn't go, and he made the initial 53-man roster and then was placed on injured reserve and was able to come back later in the year. Maybe it's actually the year before that I'm thinking of, John. Yeah, Um, they will they're all a blur now, right? They all, we didn't have that more on the club last year. All right. So let's get into the bones of this. If you enjoy the Arrowhead pride uh, podcast network and you're listening on the podcast uh, channel, I always say, please rate it and review us if you're live. All right, enough already. Let's get into this roster. Yeah. And we'll start with the quarterback position. And this was about the easiest one to predict. Andy Reid back in the day used to go, I would say almost religiously, it was part of his routine to have three quarterbacks in the roster. He has since changed that. 
in mm-hmm. recent years and only goes with two with the third quarterback being on the practice squad. John, we get Patrick Mahomes and Chad Henney. Uh, no one thought this was going in a different direction. No, there was some uh, discussion about whether Shane Bouchelle might make it on to the yep. roster just because he had been impressive enough in preseason. There'd be concerned that he would He was the king. He, he, yeah. he the yeah. two minute drill to win that game. But yeah. no, you, you didn't need to put him. It, it would players will typically if they're on the fringe make it if there's a risk right as great as a preseason as Bouchelle had we didn't really see a risk in him being waived which is why he'll well, likely end up on the practice squad after all he is an undrafted free agent you're just right. not going to see a whole lot of those guys get plucked uh, onto a team directly onto their and- added uh, active roster I might add which is one of the things that you have to do if you pick up a uh, a player on waivers so um, you know to get to put a guy like that on your roster he played well and uh, there was uh, competition to get him as an undrafted free agent the chiefs gave him a hundred and seventy five thousand dollar signing bonus after all so um he would be one guy you'd think about maybe picking up if you're another team but the odds are against it and that's why the chiefs did what they did here this was again as easy as a room to predict, considering the fact that Anthony Gordon was released a week ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. As well. And so we just really knew how this was gonna go. John, we'll move on to the running back position. And sorry, man. Where, where, where we didn't know where this was going to go. <laughs> Your personal, I would say, favorite chief to cover. Yeah. Over I guess the last few years, Darwin Thompson. Uh, the Chiefs end up waving him instead, keeping Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Daryl Williams, uh, and Jarek McKinnon. Your thoughts on this room? Uh, I'm surprised we don't have four running backs. But then when I look at see uh, the players they they kept and got rid of and the issues they have with injured players, they really couldn't afford to have more than three. Um, so, And they do have a fullback. Uh, that we talked about several times, and he can always be a running back. Uh, Anthony Sherman fulfilled that role a few times while he was the Chiefs running back, so I think we could see Michael Burton do the same thing uh, in an emergency situation. And and yes, for me, it's painful to see Darwin Thompson go, but uh, as I've said several times on this show, uh, I've never had any illusions about his ability to stay on the team for a long time. I just like the guy personally. I love his attitude. I'm curious about what happens with Thompson because I don't mm-hmm. see him necessarily getting claimed. And mm-hmm. I wonder where he ends up when it comes to the favor of the Chiefs. If the Chiefs are done with the Darwin Thompson experiment, they won't bring him to the practice squad. But I think it's very possible that he may end up there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon just looks too impressive, and he has too mm-hmm. many years under yeah. his belt, and he looks fully recovered from that injury. I think a big key there was special teams. He mm-hmm. just had a willingness to play special teams. That was something I had the opportunity to ask Dave Tobe about, the idea of McKinnon playing special teams. And Tobe said, yeah, even though he's a veteran, you could tell that he really enjoys it. And I think he projects as a closer similarity to what would be a Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where you you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire and his growth potentially in the past game this year. I think McKinnon probably is a better fit for that, more so than Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is that third down pass-protecting back, sort of a bruiser type. And so I understand why the Chiefs went with McKinnon. The big shocker here, they got rid of the Gale Sayers comparison. (laughs) Derek Gore (laughs) has been uh, waived uh, by the Chiefs, and... I know that he became at the end of the preseason there quite a fan favorite as to 
man, this Gore kid can make the roster. I think this is going to be someone the Chiefs will definitely be interested in having on that practice squad. And you don't know what can happen in the running back position. Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt for the last three games last year. He was hurt during the playoffs. He's hurt right now. And not to say that he won't be back, but what I'm saying is injuries do happen in the running back room. Uh, Daryl Williams, we believe, is just coming out of the concussion protocol, for example. We saw Jarek McKinnon and Darwin Thompson really be the one-two toward the end of the preseason there. So Derek Gore doesn't make the initial roster, but I think he remains someone to remember if there are injuries to the running back room later this year. I think there's two historical precedents to look at here uh, for these two players. For uh, for Darwin Thompson, the historical precedent is Chargandrick West, who came back to the team several times uh, after his initial departure uh, and, and you know, performed fairly well in those roles when the Chiefs needed help in the running back room. I think we could see Thompson come back in those kinds of circumstances. I'm happy that you didn't say C.J. Spiller because we yeah. do not want to see. <laughs> yeah, the other precedent, I think. C.J. Spiller for, scenario for poor Derek Gore. Yeah, the, the precedent for Gore, I think, is, is, um, uh, is more Elijah McGuire who also was a, a Chiefs running back this year. The Chiefs have had him on the practice squad a few times, hope to develop him into a good running back, just as they have with other players, like one we'll get to here in a little bit. Uh, and I think that's something that they would like to do with a player like Derek Gore. Yeah, poor McGuire got hurt toward the end of that preseason yeah. game, and we won't see him. Another point about this, I, I think congratulations to Daryl Williams, because even though McKinnon makes this roster, like I said, I think he's more of a – a comp, uh, a guy that can give Clyde rest. I think Darrell Williams is finally getting to be that third down back might be the mm-hmm. best pass, pass protector among them. And in other years, he had LaShawn McCoy enter right. the, the yeah. fold. He had Levy and Bell enter the fold. And what did those guys do except take his opportunity and really set it back and, and set it further into the future. And so I think Darrell Williams finally getting that opportunity. That's a good moment for him. And man, Pete, why are you so dumb? Why did you think that Andy Reid wasn't going to have a fullback? <laughs> what a dumb projection. <laughs> I'm never doing it again. I'm telling you right now. Uh, here we are, August 31st. I will never, I will never ever make a projection on this website for Andy Reid that does not include a fullback. Michael Burton uh, makes the team. And we saw at the beginning of the preseason, he was blocking for Clyde. Really? That was part of the reason he had that 10-yard game to even start the preseason. Yes, mm-hmm. it was the offensive yeah. line, but Michael Burton was there. So we say goodbye to Sausage. You agree here. We probably see Burton for, what, six to ten offensive plays a game and then among the special teams. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, it's sort of the same role that uh, that Anthony Sherman had. He might actually get a little more use than that because uh, because he's younger. Uh, you know, I think Anthony right. Sherman was getting to the point that uh, they didn't want to use him quite that often on offense. His his snap counts were steadily declining over time. And uh, uh, so I think there's a chance we could see him used more often uh, in this particular Chiefs offense. Burton originally played college football at Rutgers, which is gritty. Mm-hmm. A 2015 fifth round originally bounced around and now he is with the Chiefs. All right, let's go to the wide receiver room, which I, I felt like brought some intrigue here, more so than maybe we had bargained for the Chiefs. And on the initial roster, they only keep the five wide receivers, Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, all to be expected. But if I name those four and I said, John, the Chiefs kept five, You'd probably say that that was Marcus Kemp as the fifth, but it's not. Darius Fountain ends up making the team. 
which uh, I thought was really interesting. And the other part of this that's obvious, I'll let you comment here, is the fact that Brett Veach uh, is the first time that I can recall that he gave up on a pick fifth rounder in Cornell Powell in the year that he drafted that player. And so to me, a couple of unprecedented things happened in the wide receiver room today. Yeah. uh, And one of them being Marcus Kemp, probably making the 53 ultimately because he's, he's had trouble doing that. And I think that that is the way this is going to play out when we get a couple of players off the roster to go to injured reserve. Marcus Kemp is going to be one of the guys who shows up. The number is light. I, I believe the Chiefs yeah. want to have six receivers, right. so I agree. I agree with you. And a friend of our site, uh, Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest, is well-connected with Kemp. Uh, he noted that I it, it seems like from the Kemp camp, <laughs> say that with me, they believe that he will be a rostered player on this team. Right. Darius Fountain really looked good. Um, yeah, and I, you did. know, I, I think the Chiefs didn't want to take a chance with Fountain out there on the open market or anything like that or available to other teams. Uh, and they go and keep him a 2018 uh, guy has been in the league for a couple of years now. I believe he first entered the league as a fifth rounder and has been working kind of like Kemp, a little bit lesser talked about, but just been trying to knock on the door and find a place. And you could tell he came to camp uh, with something to, to prove here. I believe we talked to it was uh, Joe Blymeyer, the new wide receivers coach. And what perked my ears up during training camp was the idea that Blymeyer said he's there right now. He just has to keep showing it, keep showing it, keep showing mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And maybe I didn't put enough stock into it at the time. It was our first time getting Blymeyer. You got to see what you get from these assistant coach. No, sure. no offense to <laughs> Joe if you're watching now. Yeah, uh, you did a great. It was great for the media, by the way. But um no, what I'll say is they knew Fountain was showing out in the beginning and he just continued with that effort and continued and continued and continued. He did it in the games, which is the football. That's always the most important. A guy can work out. A guy can practice. If he's performing in the games, that's what, that's what matters. And uh, lo and behold, he's the fifth and final roster, uh, rostered wide receiver on this team on cutdown day. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I think is interesting about this is that a lot of fans, uh, take it as a negative about a GM if they refuse to get rid of a player just because they have draft capital in them. And as sometimes in a situation like this, fans will say, oh, well, this just proves that Veach is willing to admit to a mistake. And that might be what's going on. Or what might happen is that Powell will end up on the practice squad because he's not quite ready yet. And right. a year or two from now, he's going to be a guy that's going to be a starter for the Chiefs. So this could go a couple of different ways. I think there's a single team that could potentially claim Powell, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars to pair him with Trevor Lawrence. And Urban Meyer likes to do weird things. We've already known that in the several (laughs) couple weeks or whatever we've been dealing with him already. Uh, And to, you know, pair him with his college quarterback. And you got to think that Lawrence and Meyer are looking at the waiver wire and saying, okay, you know, could Powell work with us? Do I expect it to happen? I'd put my expectancy at like a three, but you never know. You really just never know with how these things go. Uh, And they, they had Tebow in camp. I understand he got released at the 85 minutes, but they can do anything. Uh, But that would be the only team that would give me any pause with claiming Powell. We'll see if it happens. Uh, But we do expect at this point, right? We expect Kemp to be uh, a receiver on this team in some point in the next couple of days. We'll keep you updated on that at airheadpride.com. And I do expect Powell, uh, to be 
on the practice squad and see if he can develop. It just didn't seem like uh, the Andy Reid offense was um, something that he was learning fast enough. He was not performing in the games. He was playing with the third and fourth team. So the writing was on the wall. Tough because the Chiefs drafted him and then immediately were saying things. And this was scouts who scouted him. So you got to remember that. But they were saying, well, you know, he could potentially be um, a, a Sammy Watkins type player. That now more projects to what Pringle and Robinson bring to the table, maybe even Fountain. And I think the Chiefs offense will just look a little different with Hardman being what I consider to be that fourth option behind a Hill, a Kelsey, and a Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, and also um, I think that uh, this is going to be a circumstance where it's going to depend a lot on what he can do outside of developing as a member of the Chiefs. You know, Garrick Dieter has been on this team for several years, and what people normally say about it is because – you know, he's Patrick Mahomes' buddy. <laughs> but that really isn't it. Uh, I think it's, it's out from the outside looking in, it's real easy to think of a, for us to think of the practice squad as just being a place where backup players exist. But you always have to remember that the practice squad also exists to have players available for practice. And it may be that they have seen in Powell something that they had in Dieter as a guy who at this point in his career can play a lot of different roles on a scout team yeah. uh, against the defense, you know, play different kinds of receivers, do different kinds of roles, and that that will be good experience for Powell to develop in the league. So I think it's important to remember that the practice squad is the practice squad, not just backup players for the main roster. All right, we're back in here on the Out of Structure podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Make sure you're listening to all of our great shows. we got plenty of them for you. It seems like every day of the week. But we talked about offense right before the break. We're going to go into the defense now. And real quick, we're going to break down exactly how many they kept on the initial 53-man roster at each position. And so right away, they kept nine defensive linemen, which I think we all kind of thought 10. And I and I will tell you historically in, in the last two years with Spags, they have kept 10 defensive linemen. And so that is why a little bit the Tim Ward was such a surprise. Yeah, I, I think that's really just a factor of the next position group. Sorry to cut you off there. But when it comes to linebackers, they kept six. We thought they'd keep five. I think that's a, that speaks to the Willie Gay Jr. injury, the fact that Darius Harris is on the roster. When that all sorts itself out, I think they end up going back to five linebackers and adding that that tenth uh, defensive lineman back in to put things back in balance. Yeah, yeah, they and they went five linebackers last year. They actually did go six in Spags' first year here, so it's not super unprecedented for them to go six linebackers. From there, we went to the cornerback group where they did keep six, Chris Lamons included. That is a little bit uh, different from what they've done in the past. Actually, in 2019, they only kept four cornerbacks initially. Um, and maybe that was because they they thought, you know, Tyron Matthew can play in the slot as well, you know, uh, and, you know, be a cornerback in a pinch as well. But they kept four and five. They kept six this year. At safety, they only kept four. And that is a little different from what they've done in the past. Uh, they've kept five each of the last two seasons under Spagnolo. So the defense is kind of, uh, you know, structured a little bit different than, than we're used to under Steve Spagnolo. But I think by the time we see the IR spots maybe handle out, uh, you know, uh, and we see other other players kind of come back to the team. Maybe it kind of evens out a little bit, but that is that is what we got there on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no huge surprises. I think most of it played out the way that we thought it would. 
again, with a couple of exceptions on the fringes. And again, some of that will change after today. So we had a question from Alex Guerrero 55 on Twitter. Would you trust Mike Dana on any down over Frank Clark? And maybe over is the key word here, but uh, how are you feeling about Mike Dana and, and the way this roster is put together? Man, we should feel good about Mike Dana, definitely as a, as a, a rotational guy that can come in there and give you good snaps and, and be a high-motor guy that, that's going to you know get sacks when the quarterback holds onto the ball too long and play a good run defense. But I think you could say the same thing about Frank Clark. I know he, we probably should be able to say more about him uh, based on his contract. But actually, I think Frank Clark's just a little bit you know, better version of what Dana can bring you. So actually, there are similar players. And, and, and Frank Clark's had a little more juice as a pass rusher, obviously. It just doesn't come with production sometimes. But he's a really good run defender. And I think that's the value of Frank Clark, you know, a big part of it at least. And so, yeah, I, I, I think I, I wouldn't say I'd trust Dana over him you know, and, and any situation, I'd rather have Clark on the field as long as he's healthy, but I do think they're similar players and, and someone, and Dane is definitely a guy that can, that can sub for Frank and give you a similar effect. Yeah, definitely. I think Frank Clark lands on my underrated list for this chiefs team. I think we've gotten way too down on Clark. I think Mike Dana is certainly a player on the rise, but he's Frank Clark's backup and he'll, I trust him to fill in for Frank Clark, but definitely not to replace him. No. Yeah. I, 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 I'd love to see Dana play that well. Right. I think we'd all love to see Dana play as well as a guy that, that, you know, in Frank Clark's caliber who, you know, when the situation arises, Clark does, does come up big, but I know it's, it's not always in the regular season. Like we want it. Anyway, Alex Guerrero also had another question about the defense is Nick Bolton going to play significant snaps this year? And, and that is the question. I think it's a big question Chiefs Kingdom is wondering, Stags, is, is your guy Bolton from Missouri going to be a big part of the defense this year? You know, happy to see the Mizzou Tigers on the roster and to see him playing well. I think he's lived up to expectations so far for the most part, right? I mean, they gave him a long look in the preseason. He did what you would expect from, a, from Nick Bolton. If you watched his college film, What's he good at? Hitting people, uh, knowing where to be from an intelligence standpoint. Uh, as a linebacker, he seems to fill the right gaps and seems to know how to get to where he's supposed to be. He did that pretty well during the preseason, made a couple of plays. So I think he's right on track. Um, I don't know how big of a, a role he's going to have if everybody's healthy, but as soon as you start seeing some injuries like uh, Willie Gay Jr., I think that probably – gives Nick Bolton a better chance at having some more snaps. And the more he's on the field, the more he learns, the more he develops, I think eventually uh, the Chiefs are going to have a good player. Yeah, good point on Bolton because I do think when everyone's healthy, he is a backup, just straight up. I don't think he's starting in the three-linebacker set, the two-linebacker set, or in the dime where Neiman will probably have the position right at first. But with Gay out, I actually think when they go in their nickel formations uh, with Hitchens as the mic, I think Bolton will be the will. I think they trust Bolton a little more than Neiman maybe to make plays against the run. And then obviously in the three linebacker sets, Neiman will be one of the starters. And then Bolton will probably be the same linebacker. But who knows? They might switch that around. He might be the will as well. But, yeah, I think I think Bolton, if Gay does go out like we kind of have, have unfortunately predicted a little bit, um, yeah, Bolton's going to have a, a big role on the team all of a sudden, at least the first few weeks of the year. Yeah, it's good to see this defense coming together. I mean, it really is one of the stories of the preseason that maybe we didn't talk about enough is the fact that this defense really played well. And they're showing some depth uh, in some young players that are developing, you know, right on schedule or maybe even after we gave up on them for guys like Colin Saunders and others that are 
that are coming back and, and showing something. I think this defense is going to have a, a big season, and I think the depth of it is one of the big reasons why. But speaking of depth, one of my favorite parts of this time of year is the formation of the practice squad. I'm not sure why, but the day after the NFL draft, I'm all pumped about uh, undrafted free agents and, and the flow of those guys coming into the roster. It's the same way for the practice squad for me. I think there's a lot of good players the Chiefs have just released, most of which they're going to try to get back on the practice squad. So if you'll indulge me here, I'll, let me just run through my prediction for the practice squad. We'll see if we disagree on any of these guys. But uh, from top to bottom, in no particular order, I've got Garrett Dieter, Tyler Clark, who really showed out in the last preseason game, Marlon Character, Bo Pete Keys, Prince Tega Winogo, Tim Ward, if he's not back on the active roster, DiCaprio Boodle, Shane Bouchelle as your practice squad uh, quarterback, Amari Cobb, Derek Gore, who had a big preseason, uh, Devin Key, Zane Anderson, Damone Harris gives you some extra depth at that defensive end position in one of your more experienced spots. Daryl Williams, who, who can provide that center depth on the practice squad. Uh, and then maybe a guy like uh, Wyatt Miller, who's a, a developmental offensive tackle player. I also think Darwin Thompson is a candidate here. So I just named off 17 players for a 16-man practice squad, knowing that at least one of these guys will probably be on the 53 by tomorrow. Yeah, I, I think we're pretty on point. The only guy that you named that I don't have on my list is Marlon Character. I just think if they have Bo Peak Keys on the practice squad and they already have six cornerbacks up, you know, maybe they don't keep that that other cornerback. But same time, cornerback's a spot you want as many guys as possible. So it is definitely smart for them if they want to keep Character and they like him. Any, um, any yeah. notable names that would be excluded from the roster at this point, if that's the practice squad and we know what the 53-man roster is, uh, Ron, I'm going to show you my list here of cut players that that didn't make either of those two lists. Anybody notable there that you're that you hate to see leave the squad? Well, I, I will say Austin Edwards started to kind of you know him and Tyler Clark were both making plays against the Vikings towards the end of the game, and Austin Edwards is a versatile guy because he was actually a defensive end in college, but it seems like they're playing him more as a defensive tackle, that three tech spot, you know, uh, in the preseason and in training camp, and so he's got he's kind of the guy that. May not be the biggest guy, you know, may not be like a, a, a you know, Tyler Clark was more of a, a, a hole plugging kind of guy. And so that's why I, I'd, I'd lean towards him being on the uh, on the practice squad over Edwards. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they keep both because I do think Edwards has a little bit of that pass rush juice as a college defensive end, but also is probably bulked up to play some defensive tackle, obviously, in the training camp. So maybe it's kind of a best of both worlds where you have a guy that can maybe give you a little pass rush juice out of the defensive tackle position. For me, and maybe it's local guy, Darius Shepard, who um, didn't show a whole lot in the preseason, but has got a resume that would indicate that he's a player, at least as a returner uh, and potentially as a receiver that you could develop. So I, I don't know that we'll see any of those guys back right away, but uh, it seems pretty clear that's how it might shake out. Uh, we'll see by the end of the day whether we were right or not from the practice squad. Yes, absolutely. But let's get to some more questions because Chiefs Mash Forever, our, our, our guy, always asking questions. He asks, now that we have the most roster, you know, most roster moves you know, done, most surprised to see cut, which practice squad player had most long-term upside, knowing that they have not announced, but people we assume from cuts will go back to the practice squad. So which practice squad player has that, has that upside 
I guess we just did just talk about Edwards and Darius Shepard uh, as guys that are outside the practice squad that have a chance. But what about the guys you did name? Who has the highest upside to you? Well, I'm not giving up on Cornell Powell's upside in the long term. Uh, I think he should be on that list. And then there's the other ones we mentioned that just barely missed the, the final roster. Bo Peep Keys, Prince Tega Winogo, Tim Ward. I think all of those guys deserve to be on this, uh, this list for this answer as players that have potential that we've seen some flashes of what they can be on a professional level with the exception of Powell so far. And, and I think uh, any one of those guys would be on a 53 man roster of another team and, and you wouldn't blink an eye about it. Yeah. Let me throw this out there because I do think Derek Gore, I, you know, the more I think about how he ran and that screen pass, the more it kind of reminded me of an old friend who was also an undrafted free agent guy that kind of came up and, and became a contributor. Charkandrick West, he kind of did kind of remind me of him in terms of just his little shake, the shake he had and just, you know, how, how he runs a little bit. You know, I, I, Charkandrick West was originally just a practice squad guy that no one had ever heard of. You know, injuries to Jamal Charles that year brought him up and he became a, quite a contributor. So if Gore sticks around for a little bit, never gets his chance, I think he, you know, maybe that maybe that's maybe he's a Trakandrick West type of player where he's not a super talented guy, but a guy that fills in and does his job well. West was a beloved player here. He's got a great personality. Uh, Moosey, the nickname that I always I was puts a smile on my face thinking about West. He's a great guy and, and, a, and a good chief, and that's a good that's a good comparison. I like that. I'll throw maybe one more player uh, your way that I think could have some upside that we haven't talked a lot about. Uh, what about DiCaprio Boodle? Uh, Boodle played pretty well in the preseason. He made a couple plays, including a sack, I think, uh, in, in the recent one of the more recent preseason games. I think he's got some upside there, and, and he might be somebody fun to watch. I really hope that he sticks around and that they have a chance to develop him. I'm glad you mentioned him because I, I have a couple times noted that he should be a priority practice squad guy for the Chiefs because we all kind of saw it coming that he maybe not makes the team. Although, you know, Lamb is making the team. You know, maybe I, I would have probably – you know, Keys probably makes it over Lamons to me, but Boodle maybe even over Lamons. But anyway, yeah, I, I think Boodle, he's that slot type. They've been using him in the slot in the tra in training camp in the preseason so he can back up Sneed and Fenton. And he's also a very physical player at the point of attack. He, he can tackle really well, and, and Spags loves that from his cornerbacks, as we know. So, yeah, I, I, Boodle is a guy that I'm glad you mentioned. He, he should be a guy that sticks around in the practice squad. Well, it's nothing but optimism around here for player development, for the death of this team, for the – uh, regular season to start. Let's talk about, are there any remaining issues? When you look at this roster, are there any other positions that you're worried about? Are there any other situations that you're worried about? What are the biggest remaining issues now that the roster has been constructed? Well, the Chiefs, the Chiefs do all these things. We, we get excited about the season and, and kind of, uh, we've kind of all maybe forgot about it a little bit. I know we, we haven't all forgot about it, but Tyron Matthew has still not been signed to an extension. And I think we all expected that to be done by now, especially by the way they they both, both sides have talked about it this off season. I mean, I remember back in May, Tyron saying, you know, I I'm confident it'll be done. You know, I'll, I'll let my guys, you know, my people, you know, work, work it out. I'm not involved in it, but I'm confident it'll get done. Here we are a week before this regular season. It still hasn't gotten done. It is a little concerning to me. They could, franchise tag them next year if they want to but at the same time then Orlando Brown is it would have to be extended because he is an undrafted free agent as well or you know a, an unrestricted free agent as well so I it is it is a little concerning a little bit that Matthew hasn't been signed yet and and 
I don't see what the holdup is. You know, Harrison Smith got an extension recently and the number isn't a crazy number. If he wants a little more than that, I, I, I wouldn't blame him. I think it makes sense. So Stags, I don't know. Are we, are we, should we be worried or am I just kind of overthinking it a little bit? What do you think? Well, Cody Douglas asked the same question on Twitter. What's the extension uh, or what's the issue with the extension? Is it cap? Is it terms? Is it something else? Uh, and he notes, I think he's the man, by the way. I hope he retires in chief. I echo that sentiment. I think everybody on the team does as well. He should not be going anywhere. And, and frankly, you don't want the rest of the roster to see you in an ugly contract dispute with a guy who's that much of an emotional leader as Matthew. And also, as outspoken as he is, he's going to speak his mind. And if he feels like he's being disrespected by the team, that's not a good thing. So I, I really I don't know what the issue would be. I do think the market's been set. I think it's just a matter of time. I hope they get it done sooner rather than later. As far as other issues remaining on this team, we talked a little bit about the defensive end depth or the edge depth right now. And I think that is a concern day one, at least. You've got Chris Jones playing out there, and he's looking like you know defensive player of the year candidate. But Frank Clark's banged up. Alex Okafor is banged up. Mike Dana's looked great. But after those guys right now on the active roster, all you have left is rookie Josh Kando, who we thought would be a long-term project. So maybe I'm a little worried about defensive end depth. Tim Ward could help that a little bit. Damone Harris, you know, could help that a little bit. If those two guys are still in the mix after today, maybe this is a little bit less of a concern. But as of today, defensive end depth has to be a little bit of a concern. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think five defensive ends, especially with one of them being in his first year as a defensive end, you know, being, uh, you know, a career defensive tackle. And then two, the other two, you know, being guys that have injury problems and, and especially not just injury history. Oak four has a history, but the injury history has been this preseason as well. That's just not good to me. That's why that, like I mentioned earlier, that's why I'm super surprised Tim Ward didn't make the team, but I bet we'll see. I bet we'll see something. I don't think they'll go into the week one, you know, with just five defensive ends in rotation. Another part of it, though, could be wide receiver by committee. We only have five receivers on the active roster, uh, you know, right away. Tyree Kill is the number one receiver. We all know that. But behind him, it really is just whoever, you know, whoever's in that role, whoever steps up. It truly is a committee at the wide receiver position. Is that something we should be concerned about? I don't necessarily think so. I think each player knows their role enough. And I think, you know, having a Travis, you know, having the tight end group that we have now, I think it'll, you know, diminish the need for, you know, great receivers, I guess. But Stags, what do you think about the wide receiver by committee approach? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not worried about it at all. I think this team is going to continue to flow through Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, hopefully Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year, and then everybody else is just going to fill in. So I, I think, seeing Mahomes being able to spread the ball out amongst a, a variety of different wide receiver threes, fours, fives, whatever you want to call them. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm not concerned. I would you like to see one of those guys just absolutely blow up and assert themselves? Sure. There's a reason I drafted McCole Hardman late in a, uh, a dynasty fantasy football league. You know, I, I think there's, you know, there's a chance that he's the guy that blows up this year. And then all of a sudden it's not so much of a committee anymore, but if that doesn't happen and every one of those guys has three, 400 yards, 500 yards receiving and a couple of touchdowns apiece, you still have a pretty good offense all the way around. So I'm not too worried about that. 
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. He's entered year four. He's getting that pension. Good for him. Yeah, Good I mean, for same him. for the greatest practice squad player who's ever lived, GD12. Do you want to talk about him? Because he's back, baby. We knew when he got cut the other day, he wasn't going to be gone for long. Garrick Dieter's not going anywhere. Greatest practice squad player who has ever lived, GD12. I'm not doing that. I'm not talking about Garrick. Straight up. I'm not I'm not talking about him. All right, this I is mean, a, this is this. Have we ever seen a practice squad player where you're guaranteed to make five hundred thousand dollars a year for the rest of your NFL career just because the quarterback likes you? We're, we're Dieter, trying to have we're trying to have a serious conversation. We're trying to have a serious conversation about the Chiefs we've season. ever seen in the NFL. We're trying to have a serious conversation about the Chiefs season. I'm not talking about him. Nothing personal with you, Garrick. <laughs> just not talking weird. about you. It sounds no, like you just don't like him. No, not that I just – I'm trying to talk about serious things. I'm not talking <laughs> about him, okay? I'm not talking about him. <laughs> now, you can get that, up, get that right. I'm wearing an Austin 316 shirt. Austin Show, show 316 says, I'm not talking about him. So we can – you can take a walk with that. Quit trying to rear him into the conversation because it's not happening. I'd rather listen to fish for three hours than to talk to him or to talk about him. They got a three-night run in Denver this week. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to talk to him either, face-to-face. And this is not personal, Garrick. Um, But as we're talking about defense now, I don't think Willie Gay is a a guy that stops you from winning or losing. But I will say this. Now that we've got the – the team to 53 and we've got uh preseason over we've gotten a chance to see this group and see this defense and then we know the history of what they want to do defensively we know the history of Steve Spagnuolo and what he wants to do defensively I'm gonna tell you what I've arrived at for this defense to work sort of the way that Steve Spagnuolo wants it to the way that the Chiefs need it to for this defense to work Chris Jones, to me, needs to have some sort of J.J. Watt, uh, low-end Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack type of season. Like, he has to be freshly in the defensive MVP conversation, if not win it. Like, he has to have, and I know what I'm saying, Serta, is lofty. And people are saying, hold on, show. oh, come on, he's got to be. No. Deep boy. 
for this thing to work, Steve, he's got to be, he's got to be big time. He's got to be a game wrecker because if we know this, I listen, I don't love what they're doing at cornerback. I don't love it. I, I really don't. I, I like Sneed some and it, I still think this is not this is not a cornerback group where you can't you can't get pressure and they'll be able to hold up in the back end. Like I have some concerns. They're going to need some help to to be to be able to hold their own. And the way that Spags loves to run defense Serta, is he loves to be dependable up in the front four. He loves to get pressure up front with his down four linemen, and he'll have fun with them. We know what he did with the Giants. You know, he would have Strahan and 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 Tuck and O.C. and and, uh, and, and Matthias Kiwa. He would have all those guys down, and they would rush the quarterback, and that was where the, where the defense's hallmark was, and it absolutely masked everything else behind it. They got one dude that I believe right now. There's some other guys that you feel good about. Uh, and I know if BK was here, he'd come, come marching through with guys you feel good about. All right. There's there's some guys that you feel decent that could have some upside that you could feel could come in this year and do some things. But man, that pass rush is going to be dependent by 95. And Chris Jones is going to have to be the guy, like he's going to have to beat double teams consistently from the outside chips because that's who they're going to take away. I don't trust Frank Clark whenever he does get healthy or he doesn't get suspended. I don't trust Frank Clark to be a guy that says, all right, Chris, you can take off a quarter. Like Chris, like Frank's got it. No, like Frank is just another regular player to me, right? We've already established he's stealing money. He's just a regular player to me. Chris Jones has to be what J.J. Watt was like five, seven years ago with the Texans. Khalil Mack was when he first got to Chicago. He's got to dominate at such a fashion because the way that Spags wants to do things, the way this team is is put together on the back end is they gotta they gotta rush the passer. And the number one guy there is Chris Jones. And he's got to play at an MVP level for this thing to work. Yeah, I mean at this point, I don't see how as a Chiefs fan, you could be super confident that you're just going to get like 10 sacks out of Frank Clark this season. God, no. Uh, like, I, I just don't see it. Um, we haven't seen it the last two years. Like, I understand that Frank has been clutch in the postseason and that he's shown up in big moments, but he's done nothing over the last two years to make you think that he's a guy who's going to come out and just contribute like 12 sacks. Now, maybe the depth of this defensive line, the steps that guys like Colin Saunders and Turk Wharton are taking and Mike Dana is going to contribute to some of that this season. And they'll have some sacks a little bit more evenly distributed, but yeah, Chris Jones, I mean, our, our guy, Pete Sweeney editor in chief of Arrowhead pride has gone on record saying he believes Chris Jones is going to break the sack record. Yeah, I'm not I saw that. that's, a, that's a bit, that, that's a bit far. I'm not quite there, but I do think Chris Jones is coming for that defensive player of the year award this season, because for the past two to three years, he's been the second best interior defensive lineman in the NFL outside of Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald has just been so special that people don't even realize how good Chris Jones is outside of Kansas city. Chris Jones is a special, special player. 
And I think we're going to see a full showcase of that this season with him moving all over the line. And I do think the chiefs are going to be able to exploit matchups with him in a way that they never have before. So I think that I, I totally agree with you that he has to be that caliber of special this season. And I think he is going to be that caliber of special this season. Yeah. See, I agreed with you two years ago. I don't think he was that guy last year. Like, I think a guy like DeForest Buckner in Indianapolis passed him up. Like, I I don't think he – like, last year there was some injuries, whatever. Something last year, he didn't didn't play the way he did previously. The the year before when they won the Super Bowl, I'm with you. I thought he was – it was him and Aaron Donald were the best two interior – uh, a defensive lineman in the game. He can't be like last year, right? Like oh. he can't be like la- last year's not going to get it done. I will but- say though that last year the the easy to look at stats like sack numbers and total pressures and stuff like that did say that, but like his analytical numbers were as high as any interior defensive lineman in football. Like he was getting pressure, he just wasn't getting the sacks last season, and like. Sometimes there's other variables in play there that you kind of have to look at to account for like why Chris Jones wasn't having that level of success. But like, I agree with you. There was times last year where you were like, you need more out of him if he's truly your best defensive player. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yeah. But he just like, I guess, let me say it like this dog. It can't be no. Oh, you go to the numbers and the analytics and you could, it's just not showing exactly what he does. No, partner, it's got to be visible by everybody. It's got to be visible by uh, by 14-year-olds that don't know the game very well. They're watching it. Bill, that guy right there, 95, he's dominating. When you watch Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, and J.J. Watt, you don't have to go to the numbers or analytics to know that they they were dominant in those. And that's what Chris Jones has to be for this thing to work. Because, we, as we've said, Spag's defense is very dependent on him getting pressure from the front. And he doesn't all – and as we can see, they don't make corner a priority. We see how they go through it in free agency and in the draft. They don't make it a high priority because of the way he wants to run his defense. And I know BK has talked about that a lot here. But with that means, all right, up front is where we're going to go. And that's what they did. They gave Frank a whole bunch of money, and they gave Chris uh, Chris Jones a whole bunch of money. Right now, they got one of them. And he's got to be that dominant, and he's got to be dominant sort of with everyone trying to stop him from being dominant by throwing all kinds of chips, double teams, sliding protection his way. And and with that, this is this is what they're they're gonna need. They're going to need from him. And you said it. You think he's coming from that that defensive MVP, that player of the year crown? I don't know. I, I think I think Pete is is really wishful thinking. I understand the 17th game. But but he, he's got to at least be that. Like, he has to be a guy that is in the conversation and somebody that you don't got to go to the numbers to look and see his impact. It just It's just very clear every Sunday. I would tab Chris Jones for 17 sacks this year. You filling him for 17? Yeah. Yeah, I feel we'll confident see, saying 17. I feel like that, that's that's very achievable. That, it, sure. I, I'll, I'll take 14 or 15, but just pure dominance and pressure all the time. Like, I'll, I, like, there are times where 
like J.J. Watt may have not gotten there, but he just he just ruined the play. But you know what? Hell no, you're right, man. If I'm talking about he's got to be J.J. Low low end Aaron Donald. I'm just not gonna Aaron Donald's some like some psychopath I've never seen before. Cleo Mac. No, you're right, man. He's got to be up in the 17s and 18 sack totals and just dominating the game because they yeah. got it. Because if like, to, I mean seriously, if he gets if he gets hurt, like if he if he's got to miss some time, like he did two years ago, where where he missed like the Green Bay game, he missed like if he's got to miss time. This team is in a world of hurt. You better hope that Tashawn Warden has just gone crazy. It doesn't like that. That's what I'm talking about. It's him. And if he get, he has a hamstring issue or something like he had a couple of years ago, that's you got a problem. I, I mean, I will say, you know, if you get Frank back, like he could be a serviceable player. I think Jaron Reed is, I think we're underestimating the value that he's going to bring to that defensive line on the interior. Because he can just be the guy in the middle and they can move Chris Jones all over the place. So if Chris Jones were to move or to miss time, like I do feel a little bit more confident in the depth of this defense, but he's yeah. also, he's irreplaceable. You're not going to replace what he does when he's on the football field. But I do think the chiefs are set up better this season to try to recover and buy time while he were to you know suffer some kind of injury. You got, you got confidence that, they they have other guys across the line that because the attention is going to be placed on him that they can go and consistently win one on ones and win their matchups. I hope so. Yeah, so you I, no, I, you I, don't. I, you just said I hope so. <laughs> so no, you don't. <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 like, I like Colin Saunders. I love the step that he's taken. I like Turk Wharton a lot. Uh, I think that he has looked just flat out dominant. I get it's the preseason, but he looks like he can be a legitimate playmaker. And Mike Dana's a, a, a fine player. And oh, they got Alex Okafor. We always forget about Alex Okafor. He's been a decent player when he's been on the field for the Chiefs. Serta, I remember when they initially signed him. The first time I watched his uh, his highlight tape on YouTube, the first twelve minutes were all of him with run stops. That's his game. That's his game. No, that's not what we're talking about. The first thing. That's what I'm about. <laughs> hey, man, just make plays. Just make plays the way you know how to make plays, baby. That's right. All run stops. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.